Welcome to Ear and Loathing. Hi there, it's Damon, one-third of the Gitmo Bros. I'm speaking to you from somewhere between episode 6 and episode 7, and yet here I am, introducing episode 1, like some kind of time-traveling necromancer. This episode was never meant to be uh, an official episode. Uh, We were still testing the content and giving very little thought to the audio quality, which is why the entire thing is done on Zoom, and you can tell. Oh boy, can you tell. But uh, we ended up really enjoying the content, and uh, we did do what we consider the first round of the torture chamber, so... We just decided, screw it, let's uh, clean it up as best we can and put some of the uh, the newer theme songs and the bumpers and stuff into the mix. If this is your first time listening and you're hearing this crummy Zoom audio, you can rest assured that moving forward, it only improves. And it was a really funny episode, we thought. We, we enjoyed ourselves immensely. Uh, it felt great doing it for the first time, even though we'd never done it before, so... Uh, the the usual camaraderie and silliness was already in place. So hope you like it, and thanks for checking out Ear and Loathing, and uh, keep listening. Thanks a lot. Set my soul on fire. <laughs> So welcome to Ear and Loathing. I'm your host, Damon. Uh, sitting next to me is George. Hi, I'm George. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, coming to us from somewhere in the Midwest uh, is Mr. Aaron. And we're here to do several Hi. things. <laughs> yeah. Mr. We're Aaron. We're here to uh, see if Aaron's going to graduate or... <laughs> Or <laughs> no, we're gonna um, torture Aaron today on ear and loathing. Hi there, welcome to Kibitz Corner. <laughs> but first, we're gonna go around the room and see what everybody has to say. It's been a, it's been a, a tough week for all of us, and uh, we're gonna just sort of share some anecdotes or what whatever we got going. George, would you like to start? Sure, I will start with my uh, I, I had a uh, I had a, not a run in. But a near run-in with, with Adam Levine this week. Adam Levine of uh, Maroon 5? Right. Yes. So, Maroon 5 on Ed Maroon. I, uh, at my job, there's a, a uh, you know, hoity-toity, if you will, rich guy, uh, uh, preschool called. And do, we, do we want to be giving, maybe I might have to edit this out because oh, you're giving oh, away Adam's, oh. where his kid goes to school. Oh, yes. Maybe I should. <laughs> well, that's part of the story, I guess. Because uh, why? Well, because I almost had a run in with his security guy. That could have happened anywhere in LA, though. Right? Okay, let's say this. Let's start <laughs> over. Let's start over. Adam Levine, private, uh, private rich guy, uh, elementary, elementary school. school. All right. That shares a parking lot with the place where I work. Good. Now this goes back some months, but or maybe even a year. Where? But it, the point of it is that I heard his voice. So 
that his security guy or a big, huge suburban is parked in my parking spot, which we've been going back and forth with this school for years about what I'm getting at really is the privilege of rich people mm. where they just think that every parking spot's for them, even though there's a sign that says don't park here. And I get pissed about that. The army of um, just uh, moms in Teslas with pussy pants on. <laughs> All of them. They just think everything's okay. Anyway, so I see the, the, the Suburban. I pull in. It's in my spot. I park next to me. I park next to it. I go to get out. And I'm going to lay in the security guy because I'm going to give a fuck who you are. Move your goddamn truck. And from over here. I hear someone singing like a little kid song, like a, like, who's your daddy? And we're coming home from school. <laughs> but of course, like a really, and but I noticed I'm savvy enough to notice, like, that's a really good voice yeah. <laughs> on where the fuck he's singing. It, this is a good singer. Yeah. And right as I'm about to lay into the thing, I turn and it's him with the kid. And it's very hard to lay into somebody or anybody around them when there's a little tiny, you know, little person who's mm -hmm. a, you know, a little, little girl, a little boy who's, you can't start yelling at their father and the security man. Yeah. And I have some sympathy for him. And I'm like, well, I guess he's like, you were just saying, we don't want to know where his kid goes to school. He's trying to get by in life, whatever. So cut to this year, we're even having the same COVID's happened, but we're having the same, um, we're starting to have the same problems as everybody comes back. And, and I just heard Adam on Howard Stern on the Howard Stern interview. And so again, I was somehow I can pick his voice out of out of uh, out of crowds, even though I don't really like Adam Levine or Maroon Five. And so he's so. And my point was that I'm like, well, if he's if he's not parking, if he's going, he's he's following the parking rules now. Then why can't you? He's Adam Levine. Everyone has to follow the parking parking rules. And I hear him talking, and I'm like, that's Adam. Let's see what he does. And this time I follow him and he goes to the proper place and where he's parking and he's fine. And oh. I don't lay into him. But the point, the point of what I've been thinking of or my rant or story is that the, I don't know about you guys, but I really love the Howard Stern interviews. Mm -hmm. And it often changes my perspective on specifically Gwyneth Paltrow and Hillary Clinton. I like them a lot more after I heard the interviews lately though, particularly with Adam's interview and then the new Ben, Aff new ben Affleck one, that it now is starting to sound like just two rich guys talking about rich guy shit and a shrink talking, a shrink Howard Stern talking to his rich guy client. <laughs> right. And it's starting to bother me a little bit. And I wondered if you guys were feeling that way about Howard Stern interviews now, that he's too solicitous and I miss the old Howard Stern where he busted balls more and didn't shrink everybody so much. I, I can speak to that because A, I'm, <clears throat> Still a subscriber mm -hmm. to SiriusXM, and I do I'm pretty pretty regular listening listener to Stern. It's not a huge priority now. By the way, it's hard to be a regular listener to to Stern because he's barely on anymore. Right? Yeah. He's like he's in three days a week and like three weeks out of a month, except he took the whole summer off. So right. anyway, a big a, and the other thing is I as I uh, hop on the subreddit of Howard Stern. <laughs> And he's like the same. There's an ongoing complaint about his psychoanalyzing. Oh, there is. Where he's learned a bunch of stuff in therapy. And I think it has improved him as a person. Yes. But he tries to apply that to everybody who's in like he did it to McConaughey once. Yes. Which was. Yeah, but you're you're you know, he always he says you're so successful because you're trying to win your fill in the blanks love mom or dad right. or whatever. Right. And McConaughey's trying to tell him. 
no, I had a great relationship with my dad. I love him, but your dad did this and he did that. He goes, yeah, but it didn't bother me. And we still love each other a lot. And we have, we have a great relationship. Howard can't accept the fact that not everybody, he can't apply his psych, <laughs> psychoanalysis success story to other people's lives, you know? So yeah. it is, it, it has become that, that sort of, um, okay. Session. And, and, and also the rich guy, the two rich guys talking to each other, that happened. Yeah. Sometimes you get these, these actors or musicians or whoever, who are just kind of oblivious about who they're talking. They forget that they're talking to a, a bunch of blue collar workers in their, in their trucks or whatever. Yeah. yeah right. That's and, what and, and, and they're having that conversation about these things. Yeah. What, they're at some party and who works on your Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember when I saw you at the party at the Hamptons at Jeff Bezos right, right, right. mansion or something, yeah. you know, and it's just ridiculous, but the people I think are the best on, on those interviews where they keep it, keep Howard kind of on track are comedians or comic actors mm-hmm. who they're so used to being entertaining the way they talk and just keeping the, the forward momentum going yeah. that Howard just gets to sit back and let yeah. it happen. You know, I don't right. care if it's David Spade or Sarah Silverman or Steve Martin or whoever, like, it's just, it's not even, they're not setting up gags and jokes. They're just naturally funny and entertaining to listen to. Right. Because that's their job, right? Yeah. Okay, so Aaron, maybe you've seen some of the Stern, the recent Stern interviews, like on YouTube or something, as because I don't think you subscribe to Sirius anymore. No, now the last ones I sort of went back recently, not well, like earlier this year, and listened to. Uh, I had heard a lot about the Hillary interview, so I went and listened to all of that, and I thought it was excellent, and it was it was fun to be back in that space for just a short while, um, and then I listened to a few others. But that was really great. It was nice and it was funny enough. And there was enough of like fucking around with her a little bit, like the men that she used to fuck and stuff like that. And so he would sort of poke her a bit about that. And that was wild to hear somebody say that to Hillary Clinton. And yeah, right. Yeah. And she was and she was completely game and had nothing to lose. So she could say whatever the fuck she wanted. And it was and that was the refreshing aspect of Stern that I can. I can imagine how, though, like, I, I'm happily not around any of that stuff anymore, I think, because it gets to be. I think there is. I think that maybe I didn't really think about it, but there that it might have something to do with, like, a couple of rich people talking about some rich shit. And then it would incense me if I was paying for that and Howard just wasn't there ever. I mean, I don't like I can't listen to Adam Carolla anymore for all kinds of reasons. But I will say that, like, you could never say that about him. That dude's fucking working constantly. If you're interested in hearing some broadcasting by Adam Carolla, it's everywhere all the time. And, and, uh, you know, always shows up. It's just that his politics got too crazy and I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, especially when COVID started, I was like, fuck no, I didn't want to hear it. Like around the beginning of the, uh, around the beginning of the, uh, 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 of the electoral process. I was like, I can't do it. It's going to make me crazy. I'm already too sketched. Mm-hmm. And I'll think that he's fucking it up. Uh, and I can't listen to his fucking meatheads. And and he was starting to have too many guests that like, that like, I just didn't agree with. And like, I don't need him to change because that's impossible. So I was like, oh, that's too bad. I This was a big part of my life. I listened every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I cannot do it anymore. And I felt better. Because I found myself fast forwarding a lot of it. Like anytime fucking Brian was talking about anything, 
Gina's <laughs> thing, and then chunks of him. I'm like, what am I doing? There's a million <laughs> things that I could be listening to. Yeah. I don't have to do I the the I just it, it, and it felt it felt really like adult of me not to just like stick it up like I had to, like fucking no. Like I'm changing or I'm more uptight, maybe, and that's okay. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I he think that I was the same way about it. He yeah, Corolla he he gives you a lot of podcasts. The problem is it's a lot of Corolla podcasts. <laughs> and they, and but and I've always told you, we've talked about this a lot, Aaron. His his brain is he's faster than anyone I've ever heard. Yeah, the way his phenomenal. the way his comedic brain works is just so so awesome. And so it was such a shame that he was he's using that brain for evil now. <laughs> it's sort of like that it's you know it's it's shades of dennis miller and uh i wonder if it isn't just like how uh you had made that point about sting a million years ago like that what's what's true about sting is that he is now what he always was nobody changed sting is the same he did he he wore another another man's suit for a short while yeah being the at being more aggro rocker, but that was to a means to an end. He was another way before then, and he's another way now. But those, but the bookends were how he is, you know. And I agree, with, I agree with my with my former self to say <laughs> that. But but it was it, being a policeman. We should save this for like some sort of police episode or something. Yeah. But but uh, but it was a bait and switch for us police fans. Come on, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, but like I think that's way about like, you know, maybe Howard and with 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 Adam Carolla was you sort of like, oh, I feel like they've fallen off or they've done they're this way now, and I'm willing to own the fact that maybe I listen to it differently. I think it just used to be more absurd. Like Adam Carolla didn't wasn't talking about he didn't have to fill every day for fucking five hours either. So like he didn't he wouldn't go spend a bunch of time on like yelling at someone or or getting on a political bent because he was more, because he was talking about some uh, uh, absurdity stuff, the absurdity of something, which yeah. is like a beautiful place for him to be. And that's the, that's where the genius of power lies. Not even in the interviewing as far as I'm concerned, the stuff I've laughed the hardest at was like him goofing on Jackie or like something <laughs> happening just crazy. Yeah. In the moment. Um, Yelling at, at Baba Booey is like, you, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, back when Jackie was around, it was gore, It was glorious. And yeah. then it got too up in the arty stuff, but you know, whatever. It's just it's nice and an important lesson, truly, to be like, they don't need me. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I can just go take what I really took a lot out of it. It got me through fucking so much. Listen all the time. And I will always be thankful for it. And I like you, I, I'm in I'm in love with Corolla's mind, and no one's faster. And like I grew as a communicator. It may it means a lot to me that notion of like that personal momentum and drive and build the motor so that you're you're always trying to be a better person and don't wait for somebody else to do it, don't put it on someone else. Like all of that of his rap is effective. But you know, unfortunately, there's this other side to it that's uh, not compelling and is, is actually frightening. So uh happy to disentangle myself. What I found fascinating about him always about Corolla, and maybe the three of us can't even answer this question because of where we're from, but he, because he was from North Hollywood and grew up the same way we did, and he's the same age, 
things I would say to my wife or my friends, he would say the next day on the fucking radio. And the, not only just the references of what it was like growing up in the Valley, but the, I, it was, it was startling to me how I had the same mindset as him. And I thought it has to be because I grew up five minutes from where he did. Mm -hmm. And in the same time and in the same place, I, I thought, do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Well, the, he, uh, a lot of yeah, reference, I mean, reference points. I, I, I bet, but I, I know reference points when he's referring to physical places and things, but actually the way I thought was the way he'd say the same thing I said a day later. It was the same thing. And I thought, is this just because we're all from the same area? And do people in other parts of the country understand this? Or is it just we all think that way because we're from here? And this is the way we think. And we grew up in middle class houses and like him. And this is how we think. Yeah, I think it's middle class honky, uh, but then also middle class honky, uh, West Coast specific and time specific. And also, by the way, for the, you, Aaron and George can relate to uh, kids of divorce in the 70s. Yeah, in California. In California, in Southern California, right, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that. You're right. That's a lot of things. Yeah, there's, there. the, there's nothing. There's nothing more plentiful uh, in the 818 than uh, uh, divorce. <laughs> <laughs> divorce in the 818 and the 213 back then. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's like it's like the oil derricks that are mining out near, like El Segundo near the airport. Like they're mining divorce out there in the 818. <laughs> Yeah, like when you're driving up the 101 freeway as you leave Hollywood and, and you start to get into like Universal City or whatever, it says there's a there's a it says this highway cleaned by divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just like a population thing. <laughs> Burbank, 150,000 people, 60,000 more. Like <laughs> this highway cleaned yeah, your by mom. Divorce. <laughs> this highway cleaned by your mom saying it's actually Ms. <laughs> Adopt a highway brought to you by Ms. <laughs> by Ms. Your mom. <laughs> Adopt a highway brought to you by your mom's new boyfriend. Who has a plane and a Porsche. <laughs> but brought to you by your mom's new boyfriend who told her at the bar last night he's the Beach Boys manager. And she believes <laughs> and bought her this necklace. <laughs> and you come down for, for for cereal and you're six and you and you go, my mom's an idiot. Who told me? Told my mommy was Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson's been dead for years, Honey. huh? Honey, it's like it's like a, a scene from a from a TV show where they're both under the sheet and obviously like bare shoulders so they're both naked on, on the fold-out couch honey he's the beach boys road manager i'm like i just came down for some fucking race get, get some cheerios uh, yeah <laughs> i have to tell you guys this story there you guys might appreciate this as bowie fans so in the late 80s my mom uh moves to newport beach to because she's having a bit of a freak out she moves to newport beach to live with her friend, uh, I won't use her full name, but they are a rich family that own a lot of property and malls and things in, in, in Orange County. And they move into their back bay condo in Newport Beach and they go start going out. And my mom calls me, tells me, and she always was calling and telling me she met people that could help my career. She goes, I met this guy and I forget this fucker's name. And she goes, and he's David Bowie's manager. And I'm like... <laughs> And so I start looking up in my, you know, uh, creative handbook of like, well, maybe he is and I could meet him. And, you know, and it, he, this guy's name isn't David Bowie's manager. 
But my mom says, no, he says he is. And he wants to meet you. And you should come have lunch with them. You know, and that always the, the overtone of that. If I didn't, I was an asshole and not trying hard enough in my career. Yeah. Well, it could turn into something you don't know. So I go meet this guy. And, if, and, and, and so I, 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 I figure this guy's used to Bowie. So I dress in my full fucking rock hair, fucking everything. Yeah. And rolling in this dude's office in Newport Beach. And right away, he's like, oh, and we're supposed to go out to lunch. He's like, oh, okay. And I, I started thinking something's weird here. This is, and he, it seems like a real estate office. And as I sit down with this fuck, now I've got him on the wrong side of stuff. And I start to realize, because I start going, wait a second. He's, he eventually admits that he's just a guy that helped David Bowie buy a house in Newport Beach once. And, he's, <laughs> and, his, and his, his, his thing is, he has a thing on the wall that's like a serious moonlight tour poster that Bowie signed. Yeah. And that's what he has. And I just realized, oh, this fucking piece of shit was just trying to fuck my mom and her friend course, and yeah. said, I'm David Bowie's manager. Yeah. He's not. Well, I, managed, I managed to stand around while he signed some papers. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe he, 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 he met like Bowie was walk, walking through a house to look at it and he managed <laughs> to hand Bowie a flyer. My number's on the bottom. Oh, and wait, I remember this now. The other thing was, is I, I started, I explained the music business to him. It was so weird because I explained to him at the time I was trying to be an A&R. And I, and I said, and there, you know, I, I, I want to do this thing where I would review unsolicited tapes and tell bands what I thought of them and charge them a, charge them a, a fee for that. Cause I was an expert. I still want that job by the way, but go ahead. Yeah. It's a great, <laughs> I was trying to manufacture myself an A&R job and he doesn't understand. He goes, well, what do you mean? He's kind of a uh, New York. He's like, he's like, what do you mean by unsolicited tapes? I mean, uh, uh, David Bowie gave me a tape, which, you know, of, of his album, which I considered unsolicited. And I go, no, 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 no. These are from bands. I have to explain the music industry to him. And I'm like, this fucking puke, he has nothing to do with the music industry at all. That's why he's freaked out by the way I look. But your but your comment about said he was a manager of that's why it resonated with me. The, the guy was a manager of yeah, the guy was at least crafty enough to say road manager. You know, what I mean? road so it's more it was more plausible. By the way, he was about 18. <laughs> my mom was like 35 or something. It was just so, if you're trying to get over so someone's 35, then you have to say that. <laughs> There's no other way to get over someone's 35. You're too sad. All right. So we went from Howard Stern to interviews. Although the psychology of it, we came all the way back to our childhood, which was we nice. Did. It yeah, was sure. a nice, nice loop sure. there. Sure. So I'm going to bring up a song. You can't see this, Aaron. So I'm going to go into yours first or mine first? Whatever you want to do. We're good. Now, now we enter the uh, the segment that we like to call. What do we like to call it? We like to call this Gitmo Bros. No, Get, like, the Gitmo Bros torture their torture. Friends. The water torture. No, this well, this is this is the uh this is the loathing. Yeah, this is this the ear and loathing. The ear and loathing. This section. is the loathing part. Torture chamber. Okay, I'm not gonna bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm gonna torture you anyway. Suffering. Do you want to go yours first or mine first? Sure, however you want to, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, we'll do yours first. Do mine first, and I'm going to type it in because I know what it is. Yeah. Look at Aaron trying to peek around and see what it is. What is it? What could it be? All right, Aaron, gird your loins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is George. George's uh, attempt to torture you. So you tell me if it's true torture or and or if it's just ticklish. <laughs> 
and feel free to stop at any time to uh, to to tell us your thoughts. I'll say this about right now. I I, I hate this song. Like I, I think it, <laughs> I just hate it. I hate it so much. I will say though that what what I have done in the last few years, which I never would have had the power to do, is to listen to things like, you know, there are a handful of other Deep Purple songs that are fucking stone cold classics and good, and I and. And I won't even give it up to this that it's a classic. I think it's I think it's so annoying. I hate the story of it. I hate I hate that I imagined Richie Blackmore in a stupid hat. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. that goddamn pilgrim hat with his dopey wife. You're right. <laughs> Remember we used to move up the song where it would be like a guitar teacher talking to his student, uh, Greg, and they'd be doing, he was like, right, you got it, bum, 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 come on, yeah, duh. come on, Greg, you suck and E, try it every time, find it in E, I was wrong about F. <laughs> Are you finding anything redeeming? I mean, do you, do you hear like, I like that guitar sound or anything? No, I mean, I, I from a songwriting perspective, there's something that like I can appreciate that they're really comfortable in that like almost plodding groove. Like they didn't feel the urge to pump it up. Like certainly live, it's probably faster, but like they were so sure that it was so dope and to play it at this fucking quaalude speed <laughs> was fine. Like really listen to what we're doing. Like the, 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 uh, the audacity of uh of the self that they felt so righteous in it you know that they really kept it really slow you know like there's a genius in the in in in, in a riff that uh, everybody can play you know and and it, and it and it uh you know they were crazy like a fox i'm sure that people bought the record to learn how to play the record and they got money so like and i mean they didn't start that way but like you know that Richie Blackmore is such a jack off that he was probably initially bummed that the the riff was so dopey. Like it, it might have been a keyboard riff to begin with. John Lord. John Lord. I read about it. It wasn't. It was his. It was his. <laughs> but he stole it from a symphony. He said so much so I forget what symphony. Like it's a famous symphony. And he said, "I'm surprised that I'm surprised they haven't sued me." <laughs> Like what? Yeah, yeah, yes. It's it's the same. It's he said it's a four chord structure, a five chord structure, or something. It's the same. <laughs> Phil Beethoven, like Phil, his great great grandson, who no, was he, handling the said, <laughs> I read all about this. And that's what he said. Ian Pace. What's that? The drummer. Oh, oh Ian. Ian, Ian Pace, drummer. Is, it, is that Ian Gillian? Yeah. 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 Like he's fucking. You can't. You can't say that they suck, man. It's not like it doesn't. The instrument, like the instrumentalists, uh, don't suck. I mean, it's certainly not that. Like, cause like their song "Fucking Burn" is fucking amazing. Like yeah. fucking great. Like a great song. And I would listen to it. And I would put it on in a drunken jukebox bonanza, putting it on at a bar. I would put that on, but not "Smoke on the Waters." It's it's fucked out. I mean, maybe if I come from another planet and listen to it. Probably still think it sucked or that it was too long. <laughs> we we were gonna conquer that planet, but then we heard the song called "Smoke on the Water." We're and like, we just no, couldn't take it. Let's not. Nice. Moved on to the next. We're just like, oh, 
brought it up. They were talking about the song. Maybe it was the uh, classic albums of this Machine Head album. Yeah, yeah. But someone yeah. said, and and maybe this isn't like a, a greater revelation, but I, I like every time I hear the song, I, I like the fact that there's only three lines in the chorus. You think he would answer the second smoke on the water because smoke on the water, fire in the sky, smoke on the water. My baby left me for another guy or right. something. <laughs> but but it, it just smoke okay, on the water. The flames were so high. <laughs> the flames were so high. Exactly. I I I also my other observation about the song is I've many, but the one I'm gonna say now is they had to know, like we all know what the song's about. It's about that fire at that at that venue where they were playing with Frank Zappa, right? Sort of. I and read all about this. <laughs> right, but but um they had to know that that people were gonna dumb teenagers were gonna go, he's talking about pot. So they must have known it's like, oh, this is awesome. Not only is it a cool riff and a cool song, but we can now we can get all the stoners to get into it too. It's gonna be like their yeah. song. Yeah, I mean they 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 must have thought about it. I I I you know every time somebody thinks that somebody thought about something like that though. You go to the artists themselves and are like, I didn't know. I mean, no, it's nice, but it's true, but like, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> but like, don't be stoners to think about anything. Maybe, maybe they were so high that they didn't think that they wrote a song about being high. No, they, they, they didn't, they didn't know anything about. In fact, they didn't, because I, I was fascinated by this because I didn't even know the story of the song. I didn't know the lyrics to the verse. I know they said Rolling Stones mobile truck in this thing. And the story is they rented a Rolling Stones mobile truck and then couldn't use it because the, the because the theater burned down. They were going to record in and use the truck mm-hmm. and it burned down the night before they were going to start. So they wrote a song about it. And it was it was just called song number two or title number. It was called Untitled. They said that riff. And then the bass player had a fellow in a dream thought of the word smoke on the water because it, there was smoke on the water from the fire. When this, when the Luton Palace burned down, or it was Montero <laughs> or something, which is called Montero. It's, yeah, know, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know any of that. And they mentioned Frank Zappa. They mentioned this, and it's all, it's all so like it, it, what part of the lyrics is that mobile, the the Rolling Stones mobile truck thing. It say that in the lyric. You know that? No. It says the mo that that's the lyric, the mobile truck Rolling Stones thing, Whoa. and it was their famous mobile <laughs> truck everybody used. Such a plotting song that it would have been more interesting if they said they started really getting into the specifics about like plugging in certain things and like this, right, no, no, right. not to use this kind of plug and um, what do you think we should get for lunch and and <laughs> I like the mobile truck that the Stones have as opposed to the one that Queen has and this is what we got. I called up their managers when I did. But it right, exactly here. felt like that. Yes. And just I didn't I never heard this part of it is meandering. Have you ever listened to this? The really? solo? Yeah. Really uh, listen to it. Well, you, just, you actually are making a good point. I've never gotten this far into the song. No, it's just think. meandering. It's just like <laughs> fucking crazy. Listen. <laughs> hotel no this is where they ended up this is a story this is where they ended up recording because the place burned down it's a story song oh 
They ran out of towels and I had to call and the front desk. I ended up at the Grand Hotel is where they recorded okay. the rest of this record because they could use this other thing. John Lord sounds like he's playing uh, like an accordion part, like a, like a, Pol- a Polish polka part. Well, almost, while, while the rest of the band is like grooving, he's like. It sounds like Doors. It sounds like the Doors to me. Yeah. This is so weird about this song that I. Drummers can't do anything while they're playing, so yeah. that's his way of cueing the band. Like, all right, guys, that's enough. <laughs> shuck, shuck, shuck. I'm gonna end on one of these. Yeah. <laughs> end whenever you want. This is an ending. And of course, as usual, the entire band is ignoring the drummer. And it just peters out. It just peters out. It's so weird. It's like we'll solo now. We'll go double time. And we'll. <laughs> it just sort of. Yeah, it sounds like he. It sounds like he figured they were. They were. They should. They would have been way faded out. And look, point. it just go to. And then it just. Yeah, now they're just vamping on, the, the on one chord. Yeah, well. All right. All right. Can okay. I say two things about this? Yes. Before we go? Yeah. And I thought that I was uh, amazed by I want to see if you guys agree with this. I, I'm glad you hated Aaron. I thought that you would. <laughs> so if that hurt, okay. Um, the, the, well, you hear the, you hear the, the, everyone talks about the genius of that riff or the how seminal it is in heavy metal of. Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. And that when you first hear him just playing in the beginning, down, down, just Richie, that it sounds it sounds boring and simple and almost like a child is playing it. And then when that when he's first, when he starts to, the choice to do 16th notes, because I noticed Aaron, you kept doing this. And the choice to do that is really what drives this song and makes it less plotting than it would have been to start with. And then secondly, as soon as that organ comes in with doubling his guitar, that is the sound people tried to have for heavy metal for years. And it's not just a guitar. The genius of it is doubling it on an organ coming through a Marshall. Mm. That's really what makes that that riff what it is. The, The first part of just guitar doesn't sound good. As soon as he doubles it with the organ, it's fucking great as a riff. When it keeps going, it just goes on too long. Yeah. But that was those two things I observed about it, and I thought everyone gives Richie the credit for writing it that way. But that's really not what would make that song attractive to me. That the the, the choice because if I was playing that, I don't know, you're you're a drummer. I don't know. If it, it seems like an odd choice to play sixteenths there to me. And and hard rock, hard rock never sixteenths. No, notes. you want to play four all the time like this, right, yeah. and he does later. Right. But the beginning to do this, to start it that way, I think changed what year the whole thing. Is this? 72, I think. Okay, yeah. So this is like even pre-disco when 16th notes right. became yeah. kind of like a thing. So yeah, that was a very, very uh, it's an inspired odd choice. choice. Odd or inspired drummer. choice for that, yeah. I thought. Yes. Um, okay, so Aaron, are you ready for the next mm-hmm. uh, torture? Loathing. The next loathing? For your ears. <laughs> All right, here we go. Rolling Damon's Damon's pick for Aaron's torture this week. That young boy without a name anywhere I know his face. Yeah. Pause this. I have I have an issue I gotta go sort out uh with the with the food. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Uh, I will think about how much I dislike 10,000 maniacs while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> are you, uh, are, uh, did you resolve that? Yeah, there was this delivery guy who was being a, being a jackass to my woman. So I, we had to sort that out. So did you, did you say to him, Hey, what's the matter here? <laughs> that young boy without a name anywhere I know what, what are your thoughts as you hear this? <laughs> uh, it was just, and it's not fair because like, I wouldn't ask this of Michael Stipe and I'd go, Hey man, that's just the way it goes. But like, I never could understand a single word she ever said. <laughs> right. Just, at its height, I was uninterested in it. And it just, it, it was so limp to me in every kind of way. I couldn't understand, like I couldn't imagine or put my head around like ever choosing to put it on. What, like, <laughs> there are certainly more offensive shitty songs. It's not a shitty song. Yeah. It is not a shitty song. It's a pretty melody. It's it's totally, it's not being a pain in the ass. It's not, <laughs> it's not sonically unpleasant even. It's just totally uninteresting, and I could never imagine thinking about it. And, I, and as, a, as a result, I dislike it. <laughs> really, the song's fault, like because it's not really doing anything wrong. Yeah, and she and you, so you're saying her voice, like she runs all her words together, yes. where it's just all you're hearing is the tone of her voice, which is very right. pleasing, I guess, to some people. But it, there's no, you can't distinguish any of the lyrics. I guess is what you're saying, right? The you only know, excitement. It sounds like everyone is lazing through it as i feel their other songs are but like and also i carry a weird grudge against her because years like back in the day i remember her saying some and she was probably being being funny maybe but i didn't take it this way i remember somebody saying she probably got so sick of hearing this that like some real idiot uh interview uh question saying like asking if her and Michael Stipe were dating, which is stupid on a number of levels. <laughs> and she said, her response was, Michael, no, he's a friend, but no, he's homely. <laughs> I was pissed at that. Can men be homely? Yeah. Homely <laughs> Wait, we can't let George's comment go by. Did she say he was homo Wait, you mean homo? You mean homo? Homely? I don't you mean homo? Because they're accurate. You mean homo? Actually, I read. I read that they had a romantic relationship for a while. Who knows? Okay, so but I guess back on the subject, of lyrics, like I'm George and I have a lyrics video up right now, and I'm this is the first time I'm ever seeing in all these decades of of knowing the song, the kid half naked. <laughs> like I didn't. I knew the song was about child abuse, but I didn't know the kid didn't have clothes on. So, oh jeez, I, I, I didn't even know. I thought it was just poetry. So this is about child abuse. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, this just took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> We're being lectured about uh, to not abuse our kids by Natalie Merchant here. Let's go. Let's let's continue. Sure, let's You want to hear like a fucking power chord so bad. <laughs> I know I was gonna say, right, just something to change this. It's, Butch it up. Butch it the fuck up. Quite interesting. I'm looking at this. She, she rhymes the first two words in the lines street and feet, but then nothing else. 
Everything yeah. else just sort of meanders after that. She just sort of like she, it's more important for her to, <laughs> her, for her to lecture you than actually make wine. <laughs> the, the, the way she phrases it, it doesn't it isn't phrased normally the way you think it should be. But so, but you're right. What would save the song is an appearance by Mick Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the that part. That's a nice melody. But all yeah. the songs sound like, like this, don't it? The one I know sounds like this, and it's not this. I, I also like, yeah. I, I like the fact, like, if you're actually picturing the song, Aaron, I don't know if you can tell what she's saying on any of these lyrics, but oh. basically the, the, the verse we're hearing her say, threats like, if you if you don't mind, I will beat on your behind. First of all, that's, that's awkward that the guy who's, he would, he was kind of asking permission if he could, and then he, and then it's, he goes, if you don't mind, I will be on your behind. Mm-hmm. Slap you, slap you silly. And then she goes, made me say, oh, what's the matter well, here? Well, that's the refrain I, she I, keeps saying at the end of every verse. No, oh, what's the matter? No, here? I get it. That's the title of the song. Oh, but, it is. But oh, I'm sorry. I'm, t- I'm putting myself actually in this situation <laughs> where, uh, where she sort of is observing this mm-hmm. uh, in real life. And at one point when the kid's like running around naked, the guy's running around saying, I'm going to slap you silly. And then he actually does it. She's just sort of going, hmm, what's the matter here? Without no intervention, <laughs> no 911 call or anything, like throwing your body in front of the kid or something. She's saying the, that, that she's where people are, are, are pretend to not see abuse. Is that her point? I think so. Yes. Sometimes people closest to it pretend it's not happening. Is that what she's? Oh, so you're saying? Yeah, she's doing these hypotheticals of what people do. Seemed like that's where this was going. What's wrong with being sexy? (laughs) What's wrong with being sexy? Is. I don't approve of what you're doing. He's like, oh, okay, get out. Duly noted. <laughs> now get out of my. Now get the fuck yeah, out of my mouth before I slap your ass. Yeah, you're in my you're in my slapping range. Could you back off, sister? That sounds like somebody <laughs> wants their ass slapped. <laughs> yeah. You're next, sister. That's you know? that's actually even weirder. I imagined it was she saying, "We pretend that we don't know it at all," but she's saying, "Oh, I don't approve." Yeah, yeah. You want a fucking hamburger? What do you mean you don't approve? Like, <laughs> but it's your kid. You do what you want. <laughs> yeah, she's she's saying I, I'm witnessing it happening and I don't approve. I'm gonna I'm gonna object strongly to to pulling your belt out and giving your kid the old the old one too. <laughs> Even, that's a, that's a, that's even a, reading it, that was difficult. a cluster of words that don't really go together. You know, <laughs> how could you be that weird with her voice? Yeah, you mean the bridge part? Well, just like none of it sounds like how how can you avoid being understood without mumbling? Like she's not fucking mumbling. <laughs> You're right. Weird. It's clear enunciation. You're right. Yeah, is she English or something or no? They're, from, they're from New York State. And here, this next line coming up, 
I'm the only, if I'm the only witness to your madness, offer me some words. Again, she just sort of wants to talk it out as this guy's pulling his belt off and, <laughs> and giving his kid the old what for. What for? Yeah. What, it, more actions needed is what you're saying. It requires yeah, like, more action. Time yeah. to, to spring into, into action there, hippie chick. What's the matter here? So she sort of gives up at the end, but I guess she's she's talking about other people, right? She's not talking about herself. Doesn't seem like it. That's All right, so Aaron, you, your thoughts. You down, your thoughts on that song before we before we judge the two. Your thoughts on that one? Oh my God, it's 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 that's what's so funny about that song is that it's not. There's nothing uh, wrong with it except for I find her voice annoying. Um, the style of it, I think, the because it's almost like she's putting an effect. Like uh, like an affected accent. Like, like, that's what I thought. Like, yes, yeah. But she's but she's not. And then some. And then I think truly what it's upsetting about to me is that because I can't understand it, I end up being just frustrated with it. <laughs> me too. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like a very pleasant melody, very pleasant musically, and that that hook, the ba 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 ba, totally nice. It's like a nice folk song melody, very mm-hmm. pleasant. Uh, pretty, not just pleasant. But then, but I listen to her, and I'm like, "Fuck it! What are you, is this a put on? What are you doing? What is it? What is it?" <laughs> yeah, it becomes more frustrated with her. Are, are you wondering? I I asked that question because I don't, I know her name, but I don't know that much of anything about her. And like, I, I expected one of you to say, "Oh no, no, she um she's a Canadian that was raised by Chinese people." <laughs> like that's why her, her her phrasing and her the way she learned how. You ever meet somebody like that that was like. You know, raised in West Texas by yeah. English people, and you hear the English in their voice yeah, sometimes, like the London, uh, and sometimes you hear the Dallas in there. Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, that yeah. makes sense now why he talks that way. But I respected you to say that, not oh, they're just from New York or whatever you <laughs> said. Yeah. You know, whereas whereas um, whereas Michael Stipe would be purposefully mumbly, it seemed with yes her. It seems like she's doing a thing where she's like, I'm just not going to finish the end of the word. Mm-hmm. So nothing has a hard. Hi, George. Hi, George. So, like, hi, George. How you doing? And that's hi, George. How you doing? But you wouldn't know unless you were reading it. It's like Scottish Highland uh, <laughs> uh, talking, right? Or something, or, right? God damn, um, she's frustrating. I have a question about that song. Uh, was that a hit song? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you'd it call feels, it. A it feels like a top cut. forty. It feels like a deep no, well, cut. Well, in to ten thousand maniacs discography, yes, it was a it was a hit. It was probably one of their most prom- popular songs, right? Really, it's not the most. Yeah. Really, that one. Yeah. I think they have a song like, everybody knows, the, right? And she was the queen of that little affair generation. Like, right? Was the she was the antecedent of Sarah McLaughlin and all those gals who came later. Were worshipped to me, it seemed worshipped on the ground and prayed at the hem of her uh garment, of her riot girl dress, <laughs> right? Like, and she was too, like, and they and the press seemed to label her like the it's my memory that the press sort of labeled her like she's the she's the as Michael Stipe was going to be the spokesman for that generation, she was going to be there for the gals, was kind of the way in the clumsy way they did it, and that was the big song to me, 
Yeah. I mean, she had, I think her, her solo career, she had bigger hits. Oh, maybe that's what it is. But, that I know. but that's what 10,000, of all the 10,000 Maniac songs. I mean, they did a cover, Aaron. I don't remember. What was it? Put in here, just put in 10,000 Maniacs. And I want to see what the first one that comes up. Cause that's the most, in, okay. Like the weather. What's that? <laughs> that's, I actually like that song a lot. I like that one way more. That one, that sounds like a Smith song. Um, they covered because tonight which because tonight that was the springsteen one. via patty smith <laughs> yeah that was their last gasp before she went solo uh, that was their like unplugged or something anyway okay so right. back on the subject Aaron. yes so we've now you've now been subjected to two not one but two nightmare songs and now you have to decide some if you will loathsome <laughs> you know vile um so which one was the most reprehensible this week? Uh, I have to say, I have to say, uh, it's very easy this time because uh, it, it's just I can't imagine a reason why I'd, I'd ever want to play either one of them. <laughs> they're both, they're both even, Stephen, right there. Yeah. Never would I put that on, drunk at a at a at a jukebox. Um, but I would make fun of somebody for putting on "Smoke on the Water." And I would I would get it, and maybe a hot chick liked uh, the Natalie Merchant song, and so I I I'd have something in it for me still, if to you know, and and I just would never, no hot chick would ever put smoke on the water, <laughs> right? And so uh, so there's something in it for me still if somebody puts Natalie Merchant uh, and, and Ten Thousand Maniacs on, and uh, while I like other songs uh, more by Deep Purple in the in the end. Man, that song is just just a goddamn nightmare. Every part of it, it takes too fucking long. It's just, it's annoying. It's a story song that I'm not interested in hearing the beginning, middle, or end of. And I think about his dumb pilgrim hat. So <laughs> I call it a witch hat or warlock's hat. What I call it, but I told him it. I told him warlock hat. He's like he's like the, the wandering wizard or something, right? So I so wish he'd stay lost. <laughs> Um, Aaron, are you? Do you have to go prepare food or something? No, no, it got delivered, but there was a guy. It was some, there was some there was drama about it. So, but do you have to go eat? I mean, what's your timeline? Because we're way over uh, schedule here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's do let's do uh, my song and then put a button on this. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, wrapping up, ear and loathing. George wins the first round. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. And uh, both both worthy uh, both con- contenders. Songs. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. and I hope Aaron has nightmares tonight from both songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, mumbling, a mumbling, a mumbling pilgrim will come and take my fucking, uh, <laughs> a life mumbling pilgrim. <laughs> Sorbet. Purify. Should we let, should we reveal to George what the song is or should we make him turn around and not watch? Um, uh, have it, have it, have it come on so that he doesn't know. Okay, turn around. I got to do this. Okay. Okay. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> All right. Everyone's into yeah, this. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let me pause this real quick. Sorry, Aaron. But uh, this is this segment we're about to do now is what we would call the palate cleanser or, if if you will, the sorbet. Right. For Aaron to uh, to clean out his ears, the ear cleaner. It's, yes, definitely getting getting all that that garbage out that we just that we just plugged in there. Ear candle, ear candle. And Aaron's going to explain to us why this is this is uh, his his sorbet this week. Yes. So here we go. I don't know how this whole business started. 
The first thing is that the melody is so beautiful and the production's great. And the, and then the one thing that was really bumping me this week and how much I loved it was that like the fucking bass and the kick are so locked in to this fucking beautiful dance that's real regimented, but it's so nimble and fucking just beautiful and like, but all hitting all at the same time. And it seems like little, I was imagining little bubbles just popping. And that was with the kicks and the bass were hitting at the same time. It was just so perfect. And like pixie dust, fucking fairy dust. It's fucking it's, great. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to wait till later to say this, but I'll say it now since you brought it up. I would be curious to know, and I don't think this is a conspiracy. I think this is very likely what happened. I could be wrong. Someone could tell me I'm wrong. But I have this whole playlist, as you were talking about before, these songs from the from the late seven, mid to late 70s, which some people call yacht rock, which I think is a bad definition because that has kind of a fun party vibe to it. And some people, some people call it like mellow gold, which I also, it's fair enough, but I call these, these uh, melancholy gold because mm-hmm. there's a, there's a sadness to all of these songs. And I have a playlist. I think I've even shared it with Aaron. I'm happy. To I have it. it. Yeah, I have it. It's like a hundred songs, right. 105 oh, songs yeah. or something. And uh, Ambrosia features heavily on that oh, yeah. list. Along oh, with Little River Band and a bunch of others. But um, my theory is that I cannot imagine these schlubs. Like, there, there's no, there, all these guys are faceless. I'm looking at a picture of the band Ambrosia right now on the YouTube channel, on the, on the YouTube video. And these are like, I, I don't know one of the guys. I couldn't tell you any. I don't, it's like they, they pluck these bands, quote unquote, out of like a Holiday Inn in, in Des Moines, Iowa or something. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they drop them in a studio, probably in L.A., and they're doing like uh, wrecking crew style <clears throat> arrangements of these songs. Yeah. I think the singer and maybe the backup vocalist participated in these songs. Maybe the guitar player did a solo or something. But to anytime I hear these Ambrosia songs, I'm thinking these, this is this is too good to be just some some schlubby band they got out of you know some some suburb of Chicago or or something. You know, it's playing like the the the, uh, the hojos off the interstate, and their fucking <laughs> rhythm section is so stony fucking jim keltner style fucking yeah, good totally i i like listen to any of these songs and it's it's world-class musicianship and i'm like okay maybe a, ambrosia was a kid these killer uh studio cats or something like i, I could be wrong I in some it. of these situations but all of these toto, bands, toto was that way where they were all like the best of the best of the yeah. best I, I just don't. I, I'm, I'm not buying that all of these rhythm sections and and some of the keyboard parts are actually the band. I, I think they must have brought in ringers for a lot of it. Oh, oh shit. That didn't go well. We had a spill. I didn't go well. Cut that boy off. That they would be that they would be you know, because you get the rhythm section down and you can put all the fucking fairy dust on after that. But like it's just you're right, like they're all so good. Like everything from those Hoko records to fucking uh these guys. Fireball. To, yeah, I mean there's all Pablo River Band. Yeah, all of them. And they're all like that same fucking man, it's perfect. And uh, and it is just so melancholy. And like it used to, I used to wave it off as, as being like, oh, I'm I'm just like fucking snotty punk rocker. I like fucking Judas Priest and I like, you know, Flash. Anything that rebels against it. But really, it's because I couldn't get myself together to admit just how sad it made me 
when it because it reflected on the time that was the hardest or most most insecure mm-hmm. and so and so it was uh and so it was only later like way much later that like i was laughing the other day thinking about this very notion but like i never gave up i never talked shit about hollow oats um but because they were another another entity almost but like these dudes the mellowness of it all da 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 da, da. and then you're christopher cross and uh kenny loggins and 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 those songs where there was always Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald, uh, all on the Steely Dan records, on a part, da 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 da, and they all have the same fucking vibe, and I just love it so much now, and it's it's so good, Atlanta rhythm section, all that shit, yeah. Um, but just these guys, like this song, like all the hits of Ambrosia that Ambrosia had, like there's like a Stone Cold Five that are fucking perfect, as good, as good, yeah. As good, like the shittiest thing about them is that dopey fucking name. Yeah. Um, it's a really dumb name, surrounded by a lot of dumb names. That's a particularly dumb name, and made them easy to hate and point the finger at. But like, it's fucking Stone Groove, stonest of grooves, a Stone Cold classic across the board. Like, uh, like it, you, it can't be a finger can't be pointed at it on any level, you know, with the exception of the dumb name. <laughs> and and they're kind of dumb faces that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, they're they're unimpeachable except for the fact that they've all got like a face for radio. Um, <laughs> like they just didn't stand a chance. And the, what made so much it made it so much more impressive that like for me when Duran Duran came around, and that not only were they writing in my view beautiful populist music, but still edgy new wave, and they were all beautiful. Yeah, like you're, you're remarkable. If you could be all three. <laughs> if you could if you could see this picture of ambrosia i'm looking at right now it could be ambrosia it could be kansas it could be sticks i mean they're, they're completely faceless guys i know what the guys in sticks look like <laughs> okay Dennis, <laughs> be the guys who drove the fucking uh mobile rolling stones mobile studio over to, <laughs> over, to over to montro could be those guys could be all the, 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 the beach boy roadies <laughs> that's Damon just learned this 40 fucking years after the song came out. Yeah. I thought they the background guys were saying that's how much I feel every time. I didn't know they yeah. were saying need and live. Yeah. I yeah. just just learned that today. Yeah. I yeah. was today years old when I learned that. <laughs> like that's that's such a delicate little moment. And then and the way and the way that happens is so like the Bee Gees were doing uh like five years, eight years earlier. And we're sort of establishing like the, the way those backups work. Yeah. And the way they're moving around. And those guys are all building off Everly Brothers, I suppose. But the song particularly sounds like uh, a massive BG influence. Like you could very easily picture Barry or or even uh, Andy mm-hmm. being the lead vocal on this and right. having it be one of their massive hits. I would argue. I would argue that this guy singing in Ambrosia has a much more soulful voice than any of the Bee Gees. And I'm, you know, me. I'm a gigantic Bee Gees fan, but this guy is actually a legit soul singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would. I, I can. I can see that. I can see that. I can get the. Uh, I get that. Although the harmonies, I, I mean, th- yeah. This is obvious. I'd be curious to know what the timeline is, but this is obviously uh, 
what's their big ballad from Saturday Night Fever? Uh, how deep is your love? Yeah, how deep is your love? This is how deep is your love. Although I'm, I'm wondering, this this has to be after that, right? Same year, seventy eight, isn't it? I think it's exactly. like seventy seven, seventy eight. Right. Yeah. So this, yeah. I'm assuming, like a lot of things, people think, oh, they heard the Bee Gees and then they wrote that song. A lot of times, these guys had already written these songs and and they sounded like the Bee Gees. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Ambrosia existed. This song may be five years old at this point. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's also like it became a production style. Like they, they you know, the song existed and they. This is what this is what was making money. My favorite version of that argument is and Georgia and I were talking about this like six months ago about that fucking song where it sounds so much like Michael McDonald that Michael McDonald's publisher sued the guy and won. <laughs> They're like, you just gave them a bunch of money. Uh, it's the uh, what's that fucking guy? He's, uh, I know. I think I know which one you're talking about. It sounded like. Um... Oh, steal away, Robbie Dupree. Yeah, yeah, steal away. Yeah, Rob right, Dupree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> Michael McDonald didn't sue him. The publisher did. Is <laughs> like with your your putting yeah, confusion in the marketplace. It sounds it's like a totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> only a Doobs Doobie Brothers song. All right, carrying on with Hot Rod uh, Hearts. Yes. <laughs> the th- the thing that I that I, I remember about this song. Is as I like the way the lyrics kind of change because right now they're breaking up. I think so far we're just deciding they're deciding to break up, but it, it takes up a, a, a kind of strange turn in the lyrics. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I do, I'm looking now. Yeah. Don't read ahead, George. Just let it happen no, I'm naturally. Ah, natural. No, I'm trying to. I know. This has to be the producer give, making this sound. You know, I I can't imagine some silly band would come along. And in other words, like if Ambrosia were these geniuses of, of arrangements and, and songwriting, like wouldn't they have just had a, a career as long as the Bee Gees? I, I just I feel like some magical, sort of like, you know, but like of a producer came along. Like the Eagles make the Eagles sound. They, they could be out there, but they just didn't have the stamina that the Eagles had to keep doing it album after fucking album. They just couldn't keep, they probably just didn't have the musical stamina. And they're ugly. You know, the Eagles were sort of compelling. They break, though. You can, you can never really break I, either, maybe. I would go as far as saying they were dreamy. Eagles? <laughs> Bizarrely considered that way. The Glenn Fryers looked like he'd been up for too fucking long, but people yeah. thought he was dreamy. And like he was charismatic, you know. Um, Glenn Fry looks like the like the, the the dad that was beating up the kid in the 10,000 main <laughs> <laughs> but chicks fucking love the Eagles, like from get from Jump Street. The chicks were on board with the fucking Eagles. Yeah, you're right. That's that's well. The Eagles were better songwriters than Ambrosia. Ambrosia had one seems like one great period, and then they just kind of fizzled. I think. Yeah, the Eagles just fucking kept on fucking coming, just a stratospheric uh, uh, radness. But uh, yeah, dude. I mean, like, goddamn Ambrosia, like those handful of songs, and particularly this one to me has always been. It makes it to almost every fucking playlist I make. By the way, that 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 bridge was sort of unnecessary. It was it was majestic and everything. But if I was editing that for radio, that whole bridge would have just gone. <laughs> well, I, w- I would I would fight you in the street. For- <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would take. I love it because they become yes. 
I love the just the the insanity that it becomes like a uh, a Motown song, and like you could. That's how bitching the song is that you could take out this fucking perfect thing. There would still be plenty of nooks and crannies and valleys. Yeah, yeah. You can literally take take it out, and it would still be completely dope. And you can say by definition that it's superfluous, but the song is what it is, and even better because of it. So yes, but no at the same time. <laughs> How's your life been going on? I got a wife now. Years we've been going strong. We're now years later in oh, the yeah. song. Like yeah. we fast forwarded yeah. 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 into a whole new relationship, married. Yeah. And now and now they're talking. He picked up the phone and called her. Yeah. Probably. Uh, see, see, that's why he needed that fucking. Uh, that's why he needed the cinematic fucking bridge. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to that, to, to montage, if you will. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's why I saw like calendar pages years flipping off, by. and then yeah. Yeah. years go by. <laughs> years go by. Yeah. Oh no, there's just something that I got to say. Sometimes we make love, I still can see your face. That's, okay, first of all, we got the we got the requisite "make love" lyric in there, which yeah, I don't think you could do a a, a, a song in the seventies without no. mentioning "make love." No. But uh, also that 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 kind of obviously the guy's drunk because I don't think you would call someone up and say, "By the way, when I'm banging my wife that I've been married to for ten years," like you would in your right mind, you wouldn't call your ex and say that to her, right? It could be true. Well, what the seventies? Was a simpler gonna, time in the 70s. I was going to say you would in 1978. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I feel like the, like he's had a couple of Henry Weinharts at this point. A <laughs> <laughs> couple, couple of Molsons and he made a call. I was going to say. And, uh, and so. Henry right. Weinharts. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we're getting, to, we're rolling into it. let that whole chorus go and then faded it out i would have liked to heard the heard, heard a couple said like four and change that's a 440 or something yeah no. four yeah 439 so it's a fucking epic dude it's so like it stands direct shoulder to shoulder with so many songs that are like what people believe are unimpeachable like critical classics like this and people would like look out of the side of their neck at this number and be like shitty about it. And it's just not true. Like it's fucking perfect. Two things occurred to me about this. And I never thought of before one that um, I think Steve Perry and journey could tear the balls off of this song. Right. I mean, if really, they had performed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds like who's crying now. Like you could hear some of that in there. Like you, to right. me, you could, you could hear his voice there. And I, I never thought of that before. And it's not really that, you think of Journey as an '80s band, but they had plenty of records out in 1978. Well, come on, they're the number one rockers forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're the number one rockers forever. Was that someone write that in Notebook when you guys? Were oh, you know, was that a bumper sticker? No, it was a a license plate frame. Actually, I was driving down the 210 freeway. <laughs> it's got to be like 80, yeah. 89 or yeah. something. Yeah, and uh, Journey. Yeah, the, the, there's a guy in a van, 
<laughs> like, a fan, like a, a van, like a family, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of like yeah. Astro van. Yeah. And uh, a bit of a Hesher, but obviously he's he's kind of moved on from his sure. rock and roll yeah. youth. And so he's, he he's got kids and car a, seats and everything. Yeah. But he's alone rocking down the highway. Yeah. And uh, his, his his license plate, the plate itself, the personalized plate that he had paid for, yeah. said Steve Perry, but it was spelled S-T-V-P-R-R-Y. Sure. And then the frame around it said Journey and, then Steve Perry, and then the bottom of the, of the frame said Number One Rockers Forever. Wow. <laughs> That's Journey, a fan. Journey and Steve Ferry, number one rockers forever. Never, never a better combo license. No. Play well, like Steve, Steve technically gets a double shout out there because he's in Journey. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, <laughs> do you think also that he's a guy that takes probably the front plate off and takes it to the concert where he's sitting first five rows? Of course. And holds it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the guy with the crutches who went to the show anyway, even though he broke his leg. <laughs> <laughs> now, who are all those guys going yeah. like, Walking in with like fucking, <laughs> yeah, with the crutch. Carol, did you bring the license plate so I can hold it up in the bumper? <laughs> I didn't have a screwdriver. You dick! <laughs> I'm going to tell Steve that he has a license to rock. Get ready. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's going to love tell it. Him like this, in case he doesn't know. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we're going to let you go. So that yeah. was an awesome sorbet. We appreciate yeah. it. It was a nice palate cleanser. And thank you for taking extra time and, and telling uh, Yoko to stick it so we could <laughs> carry on with our idiocy. No, it's very fun, and I, I love it. I uh, I see a future in, in uh, the, the digital merriment. All right, thanks, man. See ya. Here and loading. Tune in next week for more Ear and Loathing and Transmission. Goodbye.